Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! so much for today. God, you're so awesome. We worship you. We honor you, Lord. I thank you for what you're going to do through the word. Lord, I thank you for what you've already deposited through the worship, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Bless us. Prepare us, Lord. Supersede every expectation. Remove every shackle. Remove every ounce of hurt. Lord, give us clarity and insight. Lord, I thank you that every heart and mind hears you clearly today in the best way that you know to reach them. Lord, let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. Amen. So if you have a Bible, we're going to we're going to start out in Second Corinthians chapter three in the Passion Translation. If you don't, it's all good. We'll put up on the screen. But one of the reasons that we we use the Bible is uh, I remember uh, back in 2014, we lived uh, me and Kelsey. This was no. Yeah. Yeah. Two, yeah. Twenty four. Yeah, Kellen. That's what I was just about to say. Kellen was born in 2016, so then I had to back up. That's when you know you're a parent. You got to think, when when did the kids arrive? Then you got to go back to the good old days. I'm joking. I'm joking. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, I remember in 2014, we was, uh, was going to take a trip to the mountains, go to Gatlinburg with mom and everybody else. And uh, we had we had Trigger and Nala at the time, and uh, so um, thankfully Grandpa was like, you know what, I'll I'll take Trigger and Nala. So we left him with Trigger and Nala, let the kennel, the dog food, um, and left like a sheet of paper. Kelsey had me write a sheet of paper. I'm so glad she did. Of like different steps on how to take care of these two dogs. There, you know, yes, you can take care. You know, you can Google how to take care of a dog, and you can find a general consensus. But with you know, but if you want to get specifically to the details. You know, here you go, and, and it worked best for Grandpa, it worked best for DJ and Shadron and Ashley and all those that had their hand in taking care of Trigger and Nala because this was a letter left from the owners or left from the, the doggy parents to the doggy sitters on how to successfully take care of these two dogs. Now, think about the Bible in the same sense as far as we have a letter that has been crafted by Papa who sits, who sits at the finish line. And the reason we get to use this word is because he has left us this handcrafted, successful outline of, hey, this is how you do life. This is how you see me. This is how you get to discover who I am. And that's why we read the Bible, because, hey, who wants to succeed in life? Does anybody want to succeed in life? Who wants to have a deeper relationship with the Father, Son, and Spirit? Well, this is how we do it. This is one of the ways we do it, by looking into his letter that he left us. So one of the things he left us through the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6 in the Passion Translation. Verse 4, Paul says, we carry this confidence in our hearts. I'm going to pause. I already know I'm going to pause. We carry this confidence in our hearts because of our, what's that word? Union with Christ before God. You thought we was done. You're not done with the union of you being in the union with Father, Son, and Spirit. If you didn't know, guess what? You are in union with the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's what Jesus came to do. He brought us back into fellowship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. I love it because little old school grammar lesson, uh, if we really look at this verse and break it down, because of our union with Christ, we have confidence in our hearts. See, we, we, read it, we read it fast and move on to the next verse, but if we really reverse it, run it back, flip it back, you know, it says we carry this confidence in our hearts because of our union with Jesus Christ before God. 
but let's run it back and, and really soak in the truth in it, which is because you are in union with Jesus, you have confidence in your heart. If you're struggling with confidence, then guess what? You need to sit back and say, okay, Lord, remind me of how, how I'm in fellowship with you. Remind me that, I, that this is the place I belong with you. Well, Lindsay, I can't see him. I can't, I can't always hear him. I can't always feel him. But he's with you. I promise if there's anything I, that I'm sure of, he is with you. But because we are in union with him, we have confidence in our hearts. So here's a question. Are you, do you have confidence in your heart? If you don't, then you know what? Maybe, I need to, maybe you need to be like, okay, God, remind me of how f- much I'm in fellowship with you. Verse 5. <clears throat> Paul says this in verse 5. Yet we don't see ourselves as capable enough to do anything in our own strength, for our true competence flows from God's empowering presence. And watch this in verse 6. He alone, we're going to pause on this, he alone makes us adequate ministers. You know what that word adequate means? It means satisfactory. I have a dad joke about satisfaction or satisfactory. I'm not going to do it. But adequate means satisfactory. In fact, the, the, the dictionary defines adequate as satisfactory or acceptable in quality or quantity. Somebody say quantity. In other words, God does not call those that are already qualified. He qualifies those that answer the call. I'm going to say that one more time because that's a bar. God doesn't call the qualified. He doesn't, scan, he doesn't scan the earth and see who's the best talented, who has the best IQ, who has the best upbringing, who has got their life all together, who has the best credit score, who drives the best car, who has the best job, who's consistent, who's making the most money, who's got the most followers on Instagram. No, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies those that answer the call. He qualifies those that answer the call. Lindsay, what is the call? I'm so glad you asked. The call is for you to accept that you are a son or daughter of God. The call looks like you had said that I am a son of God. Or ladies, you had said that I am a daughter of God. The call is, is for us to be his hands and his feet. The call is for you to tell other people about how good he is. Romans 1 says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. You know, we was talking about it earlier for those that missed it before service. We was talking about um, the new ice cream shop that opened up in town. I was telling Granny, and this, and I guess this, uh, this is where I got my, my love for uh, red velvet anything. Red velvet food, we'll say that, because some people are like, oh, you like red velvet color and, and smell? No, that just gets weird. But red velvet, like food, yes, red velvet cake, red velvet ice cream. And at the, what is it, Zandor's? I struggle saying, did I get it right? Yes. You don't want to hear what I called it before. So <laughs> I think like Zatarans or something. That's like the rice thing. But um, <laughs> Zandor's, they have this red velvet ice cream. And if you don't know, I love red velvet. Like red velvet, on the eighth day, God made red velvet. And um, that's just in the Lindsay translation. And uh, I was telling Granny about it. You know, it's like, yeah, you, Granny, you got to go to that new ice cream shop. And she's like, where is it? And I'm telling her, the, she's like, do they have all the flavors? I said, yeah. I said, Granny, they got red velvet. She's like, what? And you just now telling me? You know, she was super upset that I didn't tell her, but I'm like, oh, oh okay, okay. Okay, well, we'll go do this. But because I had experienced something good, I had no problem sharing about it. Many times we share all the different experiences on this side of, he- on this side of heaven that are good. When a restaurant's good, we tell them, oh, you got to do it. Or better yet, when the restaurant's bad, oh, we got no problem. Oh, you better stay away from them. Ain't got no service. Only oh, got two pizzas on the buffet. Like, don't go there. Price too high. 
You know, I ain't got no service. Uh, the, the, the roof was leaking, ceiling tiles in the floor, water dripping. I mean, just we, if it's bad service, we definitely tell people about it. If it's good service, we definitely tell people about it. To, and, and so we've taken, on the, we've taken on the beautiful opportunity of being hands and feet for restaurants or hands and feet for apps, hands and feet for movies and shows. But for some reason, we shy away from the fact that we should be hands and feet for Jesus. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know, you get at work and you're talking to the coworkers and be like, man, I'm just going through it. Well, tell me about it. Why are you going through it? Not because you want to be nosy and get up all up in their business, but you want to find, hey, where, where, where can I show you where Jesus can meet you in the midst of what you're going through? Amen? Amen. So I love this because it said that we, uh, he alone, Jesus alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on entirely an entirely new covenant. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the spirit. Now that phrase, the power of the spirit, you're going to hear it one more time. So definitely remember that through the power of the spirit, the letter of the law kills, but the spirit pours out life. Somebody say life. life. So fun fact, if you didn't know, this is actually isn't fun, but it's, it's fun. The fact. It's discovering the fact was fun. But in that last phrase, it says the letter of the law, talking about the Ten Commandments, the Mosaic law, the old covenant that was given to Moses and the people, which literally said that based off their performance, God would reward them. But really, the old covenant was just a sign, the, the Mosaic covenant, the Ten Commandments was a sign to show, hey, this is the standard and you cannot match it. You cannot meet it. And unfortunately, Mankind wasn't like the little children that we have, which is if they can't do something, Daddy, I need your help. And that was the goal of the Father to, to get us to pose that question, Papa, I need your help. And henceforth, he sends Jesus, who is the perpetuation of our sins, who fulfills every iota of the law, crosses every T, pun intended, crosses every T, Amen. dots every I, rose on the third day, now you get it. But I love this because it said that, that uh, the letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. So fun fact, in Exodus 32, chapter, we're not going to turn there, but in Exodus 32, you can keep it in your notes or whatever. But literally when the law was given, watch this, when the law was given to Moses, 3,000 people died. The covenant of bondage, when the covenant of bondage was given, 3,000 people died. Fast forward when we see in Acts chapter 2. When the covenant of grace is given, when the spirit is poured out, 3,000 people come to new life. There's a difference between the old and new covenant. Lindsay, I don't know about that. It's just 32, 28 is when it happened, but read the whole chapter so you get context. Read it in King James if you don't like the passion. But literally, when the law was given, when the, when the, when the yoke of bondage was placed upon the people, 3,000 people died. And when the spirit was poured out because of what Jesus did, how he freed us, when the spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, we see 3,000 people come to new life. Somebody say new life. I love that. So uh, let's, let's skip down to verse 13 in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Still staying in the Passion Translation. <clears throat> Is anybody getting anything so far? Yeah, I should have put 13. That was my bad. I'll read it real quick. I got sleepy and forgot to put that in there. But in verse 13, listen to this. Paul says, we are not like Moses who used a veil to hide the glory to keep the Israelites from staring at him as it faded away. 
in the in the mirror translation in verse 13 it literally talks this way it says that in adam all people alike stood condemned they did not realize it until the law revealed it in christ all are declared innocent yet they do not know it until the gospel reveals it in romans 10 verse 17 paul says this in romans 10 verse 17 he says, faith then is birth in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one. Paul says this again in Romans chapter 7, verse 4 through 6. I promise we're going somewhere. Paul says this, so my dear brothers and sisters, the same principle applies to your relationship with God. For you died to your first husband, the law, the old covenant, by being co-crucified with the body of the Messiah. So you are now free to marry another the one who has raised from the dead so that you may now bear spiritual fruit for God. When we are merely living natural lives, the law through defining sin actually awakened sinful desires within us, which resulted in the bearing resulted in bearing the fruit of death. Watch verse six. But now that we have been fully released from the power of the law, we are dead to what once controlled us. You're dead to what once controlled you. Lindsay, I, I, I can't help it. There's just something in me. There's just something keep pulling me back, me back. No. The Bible says that we are dead to what once controlled us. So therefore, it's an illusion. It's a trick of the enemy. Romans 6, 11 says that we are no longer ignorant to, the, to Satan's devices. But Paul said that we are dead to what once controlled us. And watch this. And our lives are no longer motivated by the obsolete way of following the written code. So that, so that now we may serve God by living in the freshness. Somebody say freshness. freshness. Freshness of a new life. There's that phrase again. In the power of the Holy Spirit. So your life should be rooted in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lindsay, how do I fold clothes? How do I fold laundry? In the power of the Holy Spirit. Lindsay, how do I change diapers? How do I raise kids? How do I drive my car? In the power of the Holy Spirit. Lindsay, how do, I be a, how do I be a good employee through the power of the Holy Spirit? How do I be a good employer through the power? How do I be a good parent? How do I be a good sister? How do I be a good brother? How do I be a good son? How do I be a good cousin? How do I be, I mean, the list goes on and on through the power of the Holy Spirit because it says in the freshness of a new life. It didn't say in the freshness of a new Sunday service. It didn't say in the freshness of Wednesday night focus night. It says life. And guess what? Life is all that you have going on in your life. So all of your life should be filtered through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let me best say it this way. The dishes that you wash at the house, whether you wash them by hand, or you putting them in the dishwasher, thank you, Jesus. Guess what? It's one pipe that's going to bring the water in and take the water out. All that, all that clean, all the stuff that's happening at the end of the day comes and goes to the site. All of your life has got to be filtered through the Holy Spirit, not filtered through your own efforts, not filtered through what you think you could bring to the table, not filtered through how many people like you on Instagram and Facebook and anything, not filtered through the compliments of your peers, not filtered through your bank account. It's got to be filtered through what does the Holy Spirit say about me? Wait, the Holy Spirit says that I'm a son of God. Holy Spirit says I'm a daughter of God. Okay, I live my life based off that. I live my life with my head held up. Why? Because all of heaven is supporting me. Amen?
<clears throat> so back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14. Now we get into verse 14. Paul says this, he says, their minds were closed and hardened for even to this day that some veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant. The veil has not yet been lifted from them for it is eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. So until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. Can we go back to verse 14? That's my bad. <clears throat> their minds were closed and hardened for even to this day that the same veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant. The veil has not yet been lifted from them for it is only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. Somebody say Messiah. So I should have said it earlier, but there was a moment when we was living in Florida. Um, for those that were, are taking notes, I guess you put the top mirrors. This morning I want to talk about mirrors. I just got so excited to jump straight into it. But talking about mirrors this morning. And I remember there's one time we, uh, when we uh, first got into Florida, we're living there. And, you know, everything's different. Prices are, they're just high. And, uh, and I, I, before we moved there, me and Kelsey used to have this, this constant argument. Whenever I would go to the barbershop, she'd be like, Lindsay, why don't, because I would always complain, ah, oh, I had to get up, you know, early. I remember when we come here to visit, I had to get up at, no joke, if DJ was here, he could confirm it. But one time I had to get up at 5 a.m., 5 a.m., just to beat the first person to sit on the steps outside of Kobe's barbershop, just so I wouldn't have to wait. And uh, I remember, I remember one time I, I I slipped and I didn't get up at five. I got up at like maybe t uh, fifteen or six. I still got there at six thirty. And sure enough, there's somebody already there. I'm like ah, and uh, and and up until we moved to Florida, the constant struggle was trying to be the first one so I wouldn't have to wait. And Kelsey's like, listen, when I go to the salon, like we schedule appointments. Lindsay, why don't you just schedule? I'm like, Kelsey, this is the barbershop. Men don't schedule appointments to get their hair cut. All right, when it's time, you just know. Okay, it's just like, okay, wow. So, you know, we moved to Florida, fast forward, and I need to get a haircut, so I go to the barbershop, and they got eight barbers. So I'm like, oh, snap, they got eight chairs, this is going to be good. I look at the waiting area, full. And I'm like, <sighs> like in a perfect world, I'm like, Lord, let each person have their own barber so we can just cycle through this. And they're like, hey, hey, young man, have you signed the list? I'm like, sign the list? Oh, yeah, yeah, sign up sheet. I'm like, okay, so I go there, and I look. And uh, there's, no, there's no space available, so I had to flip the page to get to the second page. I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be forever. And uh, so I, you know, write my name all, like, sadly, you know, Lindsay Melton, you know, go sit back down. And I remember I'm sitting there, and uh, this one guy walks in, and he goes straight to the chair. And I'm like, hey, I was like, I was about to say it to us, like, hey, he, he didn't sign in. He didn't sign in. And, uh, and, uh. And the barber's like, oh, you my 1045? He's like, yes. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I thought so. And through the app. And I'm like, ah, Kelsey was right. The man scheduled an appointment. So I learned my lesson the hard way. I found out what app they used. And after that, from that moment forward, oh, man. Oh, buddy, buddy. It was like eating a slice of red velvet cake. Need to get a haircut? Pull up the app. See when availability. Schedule appointment. Click, click. Oh, y'all got option to pay through the app? Oh, snap. Okay, go on. Just get there and sure enough I didn't have to get up at you know before the sun rose be at work oh about time for my appointment just drive across the street because the bar shows right across the street walk in the waiting the waiting air is full but I don't see them because I have scheduled an appointment so I just walk gliding on the clouds walk in you might yep that's right come on in yep sit down ah, the greatest thing ever scheduling this appointment 
And I was like, oh, I love this. And this was our constant fight. And I remember when, uh, um, you know, just there's the, ultimately admitting, you know what, Kelsey, you're right about scheduled appointments. It's the best thing ever. She's like, yeah, I know. I know. That's, that's just something we women come up with and you men are just now catching up on. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. But I loved it because I don't even know what, what brought us all the way to that point. But still, it's a, it's a good story to have. Um, but in verse 14, I will say this. I was like, in my head, I was like, man, maybe we can segue this all the way back to verse 14. But we just got to do a cold turkey stop. Oh, I think I do know. All right. So uh, in scheduling the appointment, um, it calls intentionality. And I love that because <clears throat> in verse 14, where it said, the veil has not yet been lifted for them, for it is only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. Their minds were closed and hardened. For even to this day, that same veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant. So obviously I had this old mindset of understanding that, okay, it's, this is the way it's always been. And therefore I got results based off of what it was always been, which meant I had to wait. Therefore, everything I had going on in my life had to be pushed off or, 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 or uh, diverted. You know, if, Kel- if me and Kelsey had a lunch, nope. Well, Lindsay at the barbershop because he didn't schedule an appointment because he was stuck in this old way of thinking. And what Paul is talking about is he said that when it comes to the old covenant, the old covenant, the strength of the old covenant is your performance, what you bring to the table, what you bring to the table, <clears throat> what you bring to the table. But with the new covenant, we get to live in the power of freshness of life. <clears throat> in verse 15, Let's get to, yeah, let's get to verse 15. So until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. Now watch verse 16 and 17. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now watch this. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever he is, Lord, there is freedom. So let's point out a few things in verse 17. Literally says, I'm referring to the Holy Spirit. Now, the Lord, I'm referring to the Holy Spirit. So Paul is referring to the Holy Spirit as Lord. I remember reading this. I was like, Lord, I feel kind of blindsided. I've never, never read a scripture where you've been referred to as the, the Holy Spirit is referred to as Lord before. So that's something new. Obviously, I'm referring to the Holy Spirit as Lord. And wherever he is Lord, there is what? Freedom. The Holy Spirit is also called Lord. And when the Holy Spirit is ruling, speaking, comment, or, and, and, and bringing us into full truth, there is freedom. There is freedom. In fact, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Lord of the harvest, who prepares the workers and the harvest field, sending them, at, uh, sending them out into specific places for the reaping of souls. So therefore, if you're not experiencing freedom, it's because you're not living in the Holy Spirit. If, water's, if, if water doesn't come out the sink, it's because it's not coming up the pipe. There's something that's blocking it. If you're not living in a life full of freedom, it's because you're not living in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're trying to do it on your own. You're trying to do this thing out of your own strength. You're trying to be the best parent out of your own strength. You're trying to be the best employee out of your own strength. You're trying to move on past relationships out of your own strength. You're trying to be the best friend. You're trying to, you're trying to find your own spouse out of your own strength. Instead, you're supposed to rest in putting your trust in and putting your confidence in the Holy Spirit. Well, Lindsay, I, you know, I, I got this, 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 and I, you know, I don't have time to wait. Yeah, you do. 
You have time to put your trust in Jesus. That's hard for me to say because I'm very impatient when it comes to a project. If I, the moment I got an idea, I'm like, okay, I'm going to just, and I've learned my lesson time and time again. You know what? Just wait. Let you just wait. If the Lord gave you the idea, then he'll supply the resources. He'll supply the people. He'll supply the, the, the hearts uh, for people to be convinced to jump in and help. <clears throat> but if you're not experiencing freedom, then you, it's because you are not living in the spirit. We are not called to live with the spirit. We are called to live in him. Mm. What's that sound like? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. It sounds like one of our foundational scriptures at 1728, which says in him we live. In him you and I move. In him our existence is found. Amen. Amen. So you're not called to live with the Holy Spirit. You're called to live in the Holy Spirit. Denominations teach you the opposite. Traditions teach us the opposite. Our performance is what brings him about. No, no, no. Our existence, we are rooted in him. In him, amen? amen. In him. <clears throat> now watch this in verse, in verse 18. Paul says this, he says, <clears throat> we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. Now, I know I told that story. I'm going to get back into it. It's good. All right. Jesus, we are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So, I know why. I know why, Miss Ashley. So, in, 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 the, in this particular barbershop, and I ended up with me and Kellen, that was so cool, the fact that me and him had this barbershop experience together, father and son. But we ended up moving to, to a, a more intimate, high-class barbershop. It's very high. The price was still the same. I, I was like, hey, y'all, y'all have all the fireworks and stuff. They had Nintendo switches for the kids and all that. But I'm like, what, what's the price? Like, you know, I was, and I was with you at the other one, you know, and now you moved up. Your price better, your price better not moved up. And he kept the same price for me. But I remember when this particular barber was at this one barber shop, the very first one we started at, and it had the eight barbers, and I had the mirrors plastered all around. And this is the first time I've ever seen it. Um, but I don't know if you've ever heard this, uh, learned about it in a school, but there is this effect called the infinity reflection effect. And what that is is literally I would sit in a chair, and if you angle it just right, you can even do it in your home, do it, you know, whatever. You can get a mirror behind you and angle it to the side. And literally I would look, and as I would look, I would see behind me, but it looked like behind me never ended because of the, you know, infinity reflection effect and I would just stare at that and I was just like oh, like I felt like a little kid like wow it doesn't end you know and sometimes you know when the barber would be doing something I would kind of do this you know because I want to see how far I could how far I couldn't see my hand anymore like where the hell is that and I love this you know, the fact that this infinity reflection effect, I think I even uh, found a picture of it online or whatever. But literally, when you look into this, like, it just looks like it keeps on going and going. Yeah, there it is, going and going and going and going and going. And I, that was my, one of my favorite things about this barbershop because it was so wide that I could just, every time I was in the chair, I would just stare off, stare off into space. And then, of course, my comic book mind would be like, you know, is this the multiverse? Oh, my God, is this the multiverse? That's what the multiverse was like. And, uh, but ultimately, you know, the Lord was talking to, talking to me last week about this is how we're supposed to look like. 
in verse 18, we read it, but in case you missed it, the first part of verse 18 said, we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. We all can draw close to God. It's like when we was worshiping earlier, well, Lindsay, I don't, I don't feel comfortable because, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't have it all together. Baloney. Scubula. The scripture says that we all, somebody say all. We all can draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. So therefore, stop believing that you can't have face-to-face fellowship with Yahweh. We've talked about how worship in its, in its original sense means face-to-face. We have to stop believing that we, we can't have a face-to-face relationship with the Lord. Verse 18 literally says, we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. Paul says something similar in Romans 8.38. He says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not height, not death. There's, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There's nothing that can separate you from the face of God. So because the veil is removed, what's left? Well, with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. So when the veil is taken off, what's left? What's left is you being a mirror. You being a mirror. Look, it says, and with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. See, watch this. A mirror can only reflect what's in front of it. A mirror can only reflect what's in front of it. So if Jesus, so if Paul is saying that we are like mirrors, then we are reflecting what's in front of us. All right, here's the question. What's in front of you? What's really in front of you? I'm not talking about on Sunday morning when the hands are lifted. I'm not talking about on focus night. But what's really in front of us? Because too many Christians are still trying to maintain a long-distance fellowship with the Father, Son, and Spirit when their desire is to be face-to-face with you. What's really in front of you? Is your anxiety in front of you? Is your past the thing that you see all the time? It's the opinions, all the rumors, all the, all the offenses that have occurred in your life. The things that you lack, the things that you see that you want and you can only see the gap of what you want and how you haven't got there yet. Is that what's in front of you? Because that's what you're going to reflect. That's what you're going to reflect in your relationships. That's what you're going to reflect in your friendships. That's what you're going to reflect on your job. That's what you're going to reflect through your kids. That's how you're going to reflect through your parents. You're not going to fully love them like Jesus loves them. Because all you can see is what you shouldn't be focusing on. All you can see is what you've been delivered from. You can't see the fact that you've been delivered from. You just see, oh, man, this this was me. And you don't see the fact that that was you, but that's not you anymore. See, a mirror can only reflect what's in front of it. Somebody say in front of it. So whatever's in front of you, that's what you will reflect. Whatever's in front of you, that's what you're going to reflect. Whatever's in front of you, that's how you're going to parent. Whatever's in front of you, that's how you're going to go to work tomorrow. Whatever's in front of you, that's how you're going to talk to people. Whatever's in front of you, that's how you're going to treat people. Whatever's in front of you, that's how you're going to love people. So therefore, the accountability goes back into your court and says, okay, what am I going to allow to be in front of me? What am I going to place in front of me? As much as I love action movies, I can tell when I've watched too much. And I know that sounds, I know, I don't think I've ever said that statement before. I can tell when I've watched too much. I'll give you an indicator when I've watched too much at your movies. When I'm working, and all of a sudden I get, you know, I've, I know my route. I know my route. Like, I, I know it. But Dre, I know my route. 
Like you can, you can call up a number and I instantly picture the house and tell you if they got animals and tell you what kind of vehicles they got. So I feel, I feel very proud about that. But I remember there's a spot where like uh, I had some downtime and get to a certain house and I like something happened to where like I dropped the letter. So I'm like looking, you know, trying to find it. And uh, I just, I look up and I saw this one scene in the movie and I was like, oh, and I just got lost in it for about five minutes. And I'm like, oh, and I snapped out of it and I'm like, oh, wow, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just, you just put letters in the box. Nobody's got to be saved today. The bombs don't have to be cut off. And they just, just cool it, just put the letters, in, put the package on the door and get back to work. I know, yeah, <laughs> cool it, G. I'm like, all right, let's snap out of it. 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 But I can tell you when I put stuff like that, too much of that in front of me. So therefore, in that moment, it was reflecting through my job. It was reflecting through how I saw my job. Question is how you see your life. Is that truth or is it an illusion? And I can tell you if it's, if it's an illusion, it's because you've been placing the wrong things in front of you. You've been allowing the wrong people to speak to you. You've been allowing the wrong people to influence you, the wrong songs to influence you, the wrong shows, the wrong movies, the wrong food. food. Listen, the wrong food will influence your body in a negative way. If the wrong food can have the power to influence your body in a negative way, why do we think that, oh, you know, this, this person, you know, I'm just hanging out with them for a little bit. Or this, this person, they say they love Jesus. Or this, or, 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 this, or this job, you know, it's just a job. It's just, you know, just paying me, you know, I, I pay tithe off it. So, see, it can't be all that bad. No. You need to run a filter through your life and say, okay. If I'm going to be the mirror that we learned about on Sunday, if I'm going to reflect the glory of God, if I'm going to reflect the glory of God, am I, do I have the right things in front of me to do so? Do I have the right things in front of me to do so? See, Kellen, Kellen reflects his daddy because his daddy's DNA is within him. He reflects his mommy because his mommy's DNA is within him. But the moment this boy started school, he started reflecting some of the kids that he was around, all the different little attitudes at one time and all, and all the different thoughts. I mean, I love them. And some of the things are great, but then there's some things I'm like, hey, hey, we didn't teach you that. What you're not going to do is that right there. You know, he, he did something to, to Keenan. I said, oh, uh-uh, I know where you got that. You, you send it back. Tomorrow I'll give it back to whatever friend you got it from. Give it back, put a bow on it, say, my daddy says I can't do this. Here you go. That he looked at me all confused. I'm like, I'm joking, but at the same time, don't do that. Therefore, he was around something and started to reflect it in the home. Amen? Amen. So the question is, what are we reflecting in our homes? Watch this. We are called to be a lamp upon a stand. We're called to be a city on a hill. We're called to be mirrors reflecting the glory of God. What do these things have in common? All of, they all have in common is we are, we are to brightly reflect the glory of God at the gas station. We are to brightly reflect the glory of God at the laundromat. We are to brightly reflect the glory of God at Walmart or Food Giant. We are to reflect the glory of God at our jobs. We are to reflect the glory of God at that one cousin's house that you don't want to go to. You are to reflect the glory of God when you see that one person that has done you dirty. You are to reflect the glory of God whether you have a million dollars or one dollar. You are to reflect the glory of God whether the kids are getting on the nerves or the kids are like angels. You are to reflect the glory of God when people come in your life and when people leave your life. You are to reflect the glory of God. Lindsay, why am I supposed to reflect the glory? Because you are a mirror. 
You are a mirror. There's, there's no getting around it. There's no, well, you know, I haven't, I haven't really accepted that. You know, my, you know I, they taught us something different. No, no, no. We read in the scriptures, you are a mirror for the glory of God. When people look at you, they are supposed to see Jesus. They're not supposed to see an attitude. They're not supposed to see sarcasm. They're not supposed to see rudeness. They're not supposed to see pettiness. Petty Betty got to go. Because you are a mirror for the glory of God. Doesn't mean you're supposed to be perfect. Because guess what? On my mail car, we laugh at this all the time, but on my driver's side, I got a busted mirror. I got a busted mirror from, uh, from work hazards. We'll, we'll just title it that way. But guess what? That boy still showed the reflection. It still showed me when the car is coming in the lane and then I could get back on the road. Therefore, you don't have to have it all together. I'm gonna say that again. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be perfect. You just got to know the one that is. Oh, oh, you feel that, Julie? Oh, just do me. Oh, yeah, I know you want to. There you go. You just got to know perfect love. And guess what? If you know him, you'll know that I am in perfect love. Perfect love doesn't just go with me everywhere I go. I live. I move and I have my existence in him. Perfect love is Jesus. Stop reflecting judgment and start reflecting compassion. Stop reflecting judgment and start reflecting compassion. The rest of verse 18 says this. It says, we are being transfigured. In the Greek, we, we talked about how when the Bible was brought from the original context to English, things get lost in translation. So the New Testament was written in Greek. The Greek verb for that phrase is metamorpho which will y'all, it may sound familiar, metamorphosis. But metamorpho literally is the same word used for Jesus being transfigured on the mountain. It's also referring to our transfiguration through the renewing of the thoughts of our minds. You are being transformed, metamorphosed, by the renewing of the thoughts in your minds. God isn't transforming you by the outward appearance. He's transforming you. By the inward appearance, by the renewing of the thoughts of your mind. What, why? Because, why? Because the thoughts of your mind, that's going to determine what you see. Because in that moment when I was in the mail car, you know, I was in reality, but my mind was somewhere else. Therefore, my mind was projecting an image that wasn't there. And what God wants to do is to renew the thoughts of your mind. He wants to renew the things that live rent-free in your head. You know, we all have those, those movie scenes or those songs that live rent free in your head. Kelsey said, sung a little bit of a song last night, and I got, so, or no, I did that to her. Ha, payback. I did that to her. I sung a little bit of a song, and it was in her mind. I was like, you're welcome, because she does that to me. And it was living there rent free. Everything, and listen, here's the bad thing about it was, it was, it was fine for me, because I initiated it. It was bad for her, but everything that she would do eventually would relate back to that song. And she couldn't escape it. I mean, we begin like we're going to talk about a bath, giving the kids a bath, and instantly she's brought back to that song. Or talking about food, talking about something. Miss Ashley called about something, and instantly she thought about that song, and they did not talk anything about what's in that song. I know, because <laughs> it's in mine now. <laughs> so payback. But that's how powerful the thoughts of your mind—they're so powerful that. You can, you can literally be standing in one space, 
but be lost in another. And the problem is, if we act on the space that isn't real, we'll find ourselves in a deeper, darker hole than we ever would have imagined. Than we ever would have imagined. Amen? Paul says the same thing in Romans 12, too. <clears throat> did I put that up there? I can't remember if I did. Okay. But he says this. He says that we are, I'm, I'm going to pull it up. If you know it, you know it. But if not, just in the Passion Translation. We said in 18 that it's the renewing of our mind, renewing the thoughts of our mind. But in 12.2, Paul says this. He says, stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. Whenever we were youth pastors, this, we would preach this all the time. You remember that? Romans 12.2. Do not be conformed to the world, for you are not of the world. And the pastor says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions. Ideals and opinions of who? The culture. Why? Because the culture changes every day. Why? Because the culture isn't rooted in Jesus. Why? Because the culture isn't rooted in taking care of your neighbor as yourself. The culture is not rooted in loving God as you love yourself, loving your neighbor as you love yourself. The culture is not rooted in treating people justly. The culture is rooted in, hey, you better get yours and get yours only. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. There it is again, by the Holy Spirit, through a total reformation of how you what? Think. And once that happens, look at this. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. The renewing of those thoughts in your mind. Once that happens, then you won't ask yourself, well, is this the Lord or is this me? You don't have to ask that question because you'll know, oh, no, no, this lines up with God. You don't have to second guess God anymore when your thoughts are being renewed. Somebody say renewed. So what is it in our minds that need to be renewed or reformed? I'll tell you what needs to be renewed and reformed. Devotion to denomination. I promise we're almost done. Devotion to denomination. Our denominations and our traditions be the in-all, be-all. Here's another one. Placing our confidence and trust in the fig leaves of self-performance. I love that one. Putting your confidence in the fig leaves of self-performance. Lindsay, why do you call it the fig leaves of self-performance? Because when Adam and Eve has sinned, the idea of the fig leaves covering themselves, that was their attempt to cover up what they messed up. Your self-performance is your attempt, but it's not enough. If your self-performance was enough, then you could have went to the cross and delivered us all. But news, news flash, you couldn't do it, I couldn't do it. As much as I love you all, I, what I have cannot, is not enough to go to the cross and blot out every sin, blot out every mistake. The fig leaves are our self-performance. That's what we have to be redeemed from. Watch this. The glory of Christ is the source of our transformation. And the glory of Christ is what taking us from glory to glory to glory. Living in the power of the Holy Spirit is what takes us from glory to glory to glory. There is a target for your life. You know, one of the targets that I have for my boys is that, you know, yeah, most parents are like, oh, I want them to be a professional ball player. I want them to be a doctor. I want them to be a lawyer. I want them to be a CEO. All, you know, that's great. If Kellen, Keenan, and Cohen want to do those things, that's awesome. And they could buy daddy a pool. I sound like my dad because dad used to say when I was a kid, sorry, dad, I didn't buy you a pool. It's not over. It's not over. Drea. Drea might do something. Talk to Drea. 
But my goal for my boys is just one simple goal. And that is that they will have a relationship with the Father, Son, and the Spirit all the days of their life. Whether they do that working as a fry cook or working as a doctor, I really don't, it doesn't matter to me. My goal is that they just have that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. You, God's goal for your life. If you don't get anything, get this. God's goal for your life. Somebody say God's goal. And Romans 3.18 is for you to be transformed from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. I mean, we keep going on and we don't have enough time in the day, but that's his goal for you. It's for the thoughts in your mind to be renewed and transformed from one level. Makes you think of, of Sonic or Mario from one level to another level of glory to another level of glory. But, you know, used to as a kid, we would all get excited and clapping. Yeah from glory to glory, ah, and we go ham on that. But here's the part that we don't like. It, it, it doesn't end, it doesn't say that he wants you to be transformed from glory to glory, and that's it. If you truly study it out, the glory, it's never ending, which means that it's a lifetime process. See, nobody hires a contractor to come on their house and say, okay, for the rest of my life, I want you to work on my house. Nobody does that. Yeah, she's like, mm. <laughs> bro, you got a week and you better get out. Like, better get this done. Or find somebody else. You know, when you put your car in the shop, what do we ask? Well, how long do you think it's going to take? Well, how much longer? You can ask dad, dad at AutoZone. People, hey, well, uh, okay, if I do this, how, how long is that going to take? When we go to the restaurant, how long's the wait? Oh, we got to go find another one. Well, how, how long's the wait? Pull up to KFC. How long's the wait on chicken? I had to. Just had to. Couldn't, couldn't go without it. <laughs> yeah. Two days. You know, we, 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 you know, we love to, we love to guesstimate and, and, and invest our time and resources if the wait is short. But when it comes to Jesus, this transformation process, we don't like it. But going from glory to glory is meant to be a lifetime. Not because God is in heaven and he's like, oh, watch this. Sitting in his Thanos chair and it's like, you know, we're going to make these jokers wait. No. Not because he enjoys watching us squander. No, he doesn't. He's a good, good father. And he doesn't watch from a distance. He watches in us, through us. He's with you. But the reason this glory to glory to glory is a lifetime process is because your life is meant to be fully lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not at one moment, not at one day, not at one month, not at one year, but for the entire existence of your life. The last part of Acts 17, 28 says your existence. It didn't say your one shot moment in your life. It doesn't say your one-shot moment in your life is found in him. It's your existence is found in him. <clears throat> your existence is found in him. Amen. Transformation happens. Watch this. Transformation happens when we gaze upon the beauty and splendor of Jesus Christ. Transformation happens when we gaze upon the beauty and splendor of Jesus Christ. 
I'm going to say that one more time. Transformation happens when we gaze at the beauty and splendor of Jesus Christ. You can't sing, you can't sing the song, I finally found where I belong. It can't, it can't be truly true if you've never understood that, oh man, like he, he has done some things for me that nobody else could. You can't, you can't fully sing that from your heart. I mean, you can sing it with your lips, but out of your heart, you can't fully resonate with that if you've never come to the conclusion, man, I shouldn't be here today. I shouldn't be standing. I am blessed. Even if I don't have a million dollars, I am blessed. Even if my kids don't listen the second time, I am still blessed. Even if the car doesn't, even if the car has a mind on its own sometimes, I am still blessed. When you gaze upon the beauty and splendor, that's when those thoughts begin to start becoming renewed. And it's simple. It's not going to be no five alarm where it's like, oh, I can feel it. I can feel my thoughts being renewed. Oh, they're being renewed. Ah, change. You're not, no, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be very subtle to the point like you're going to wake up one morning and life is going to be life. Monday is going to be Monday, but you're going to have the thought of, oh, it could be worse. I don't like this, but it could be worse. Thank God it's not like what it could be. And when you have those thoughts, then recognize, Lord, is that you? Is that you showing me that, hey, it could be this way, but it's not and for me to be thankful and grateful that it's not. And it's building upon thoughts like that. More thoughts, more thoughts. And that's you going from glory to glory to glory to glory. And then what's gonna happen is eventually those thoughts are gonna spill out and somebody's gonna be around you. Hey, what'd you say? Did you say it, it could be worse? And because you've been going from glory to glory, the Lord's been taking you through this process, you're gonna be like, it could be worse. It could be da 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 da, but it's not that. And it's not that because of God's a good God. And inwardly, you're gonna be like, did I just say that? And they're gonna be like, what did you say? Tell me about that. And then you get to reflect the glory of God then you get to be the mirror that you were supposed to be. You are supposed to be a mirror. Let me scratch that. You are a mirror. You're supposed to reflect the glory of God. Not saying that you can't talk about your pain, not saying you can't talk about your problems. There's so much more, and you know what? We're going we're gonna to table it for next week. We're going to table it for next week because there's so much more I want to get into about that. But for time, we'll, we'll, we'll cap it right here. But you are a mirror. Not saying you can't talk about your pain, not saying you can't talk about your problems, not saying you can't talk about the woes of life. But at the, at the end of the day, you know, a mirror, a mirror, a mirror understands, if a mirror could talk, <laughs> it understands that his job is literally to be in the public view, to be in the public eye. A mirror only shows what's in front of it. The fact that Jesus said that we are a city on a hill, we're a lamp set upon a stand we are a mirror which means that you are going to constantly people are always going to be watching you people are always going to be looking at you you have to get used to that Lindsay I can't do anything for myself no you can't you cannot why because there are people that are looking at you and saying okay there's some stuff going on in my life but somewhere in your life you have the answer well Lindsay I don't feel like I have the answer because I haven't lived the perfect life guess what I have not either I'm pretty sure we can all look around the room and we all can write all the mistakes. If, we, if I gave you a sharpie, we can write it. Fill the walls with the mistakes that we have made. 
but that does not stop Jesus from living in us, living through us, loving us, calling us his, calling us his, calling us his, amen? There's nothing that will separate you from the love of God.